What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're talking about week five picks, and I'm going to respond to some different comments in Twitter and emails. Uh, really love the engagement, so excited to get to that as well. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify. I've not been able to get it up on YouTube the past couple weeks. Just I've had a lot going on, so I've just been recording on my phone, which is why there's no intro, any, anything like that. But still, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, leave a review, send me emails, respond to me on Twitter. Uh, if you respond, I, if you talk to me at all, I'm going to try to weigh, weigh or give your comment airtime on the podcast because I really love that type of interaction and it's really, I think it makes things better. I love conversation. Um, the one thing I will say, and this is just coming from this past week, if you cuss at me, you're going to get blocked. <laughs> so it happened a couple times or happened once and you get blocked. But if you're respectful and you, you di- just disagree, I'm going to, I'm going to love engaging with it. And I will be honest if, if I think that you're wrong, but I'll also be honest if you're like, I think that's a good point. And so we'll talk about that here uh, in the podcast, but I want to start with picks uh, it's it's definitely a lighter slate because we're starting to get more and more into conference play and and some teams have bye weeks particularly Ohio State uh, Ohio State has a bye week this week and I believe I'm missing a team which other team has a bye week it's not Maryland well I'll go through it and I'll figure it out um, I thought it was Iowa and then I realized that it's not Iowa because Michigan State uh, is is playing. Um, goodness, I am brain farting like crazy right now. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, 12 PM, Big Ten Network, number six, Penn State at Northwestern. Surprisingly, Northwestern is two and two. Got the big win against Minnesota last week. Penn State still a 27 point favorite. I think they cover, although I think the under is going to hit barely. The over-under is 46. I just think Penn State's got too much firepower. I think their defense is nasty. And while Northwestern, I think, is performing right now better offensively than Iowa, it's not by much, and I think Penn State's going to turn Northwestern over. You know, I still think Penn State is has been a little clunky offensively, um, but I think they, they get up big early and they – they cruise 38 to six is my final for that. They cover the spread. Louisiana facing Minnesota, Louisiana three and one Minnesota two and two. This is a 12 PM kick on the big 10 network. Minnesota is an 11 point favorite in this game, but Minnesota coming off a shocking loss, quite honestly to Northwestern. Uh, They were up 21, uh, 21 points and they collapsed. And I, I really don't know what to make of this game, quite honestly, because Louisiana, you know, their wins are not against great competition. You know, they, they beat UAB, they beat Buffalo, they beat Northwestern State, and they lost to Old Dominion. So, again, they, they haven't played many good teams. But as I look at Minnesota, I think you can make a good case that they should have lost to Nebraska. I think... You know, you look at the Eastern Michigan win and you're like, that was not compelling. 
And then you look at UNC and Northwestern, and it's like they got blown out by UNC and they they lost a game that they probably shouldn't against Northwestern. I think I'm picking Louisiana in the upset. You know, Louisiana has a very potent offense. And while Minnesota's, I think, defense is good, you know, they've they've struggled. They've struggled the past couple weeks. They struggled against, quite honestly, a not very good Northwestern offense. Really let Ben Bryant cook a little bit. Um, and this this offense is balanced for Louisiana. And I, I just don't trust Minnesota's offense. Like, I, th- I think they're going to leave too many points uh, on the field. I think they're going to have a lot of uh, empty empty drives. I look for Louisiana to beat Minnesota at Minnesota, 28 to 24. And I think it signals a really rough season for the Gophers. I, I, I didn't expect to say this. I think Minnesota is really, really hurting this year. Um, 330 kick on Fox. We got number two, Michigan against Nebraska. Harsburg again, I believe getting the start here. Um, it's an interesting game. It's at Nebraska. Michigan's a 17-point favorite. Nebraska has played Michigan tough. Uh, they, they played them tough two years ago. Really had a chance to win that game, uh, which I think was kind of the, the MO of the Frost era. I think, I think this will be a closer game than the 17-point sp- point spread. I think Nebraska is fairly decent on the lines, which... I think might give Michigan some some difficulty, particularly – I think the running game might be a little tough to come by in the first half. Ultimately, I think Michigan pulls away. Low scoring. I've got Michigan 21, Nebraska 10. So it's it's an 11-point game. I still think Michigan at the end of this game looks like a, a far better team than Nebraska. But I think it's – it's low scoring. I think Nebraska mucks it up a little bit. I think Nebraska fans feel a little bit feel kind of good about this afterwards. So, 21 to 10, Michigan over Nebraska. Indiana at Maryland, 3:30 kick on the Big 10 network. Maryland is a 14 and a half point favorite. I this is tough cuz I feel like Indiana I was I was high on Indiana after the, the uh, Louisville game. Like I thought, Taven Jackson was starting to take strides forward. They could have lost to Akron last week. I, I thought they really struggled against Akron. I think Maryland has played well in spurts, but again, I thought there were stretches of their game against Michigan State where I thought Michigan State outplayed Maryland, despite the final score. Ultimately, I I think Indiana's offense, T- Taven Jackson is growing. But I don't think they have enough outside of Cam Camper and, and Jalen Lucas. I think they have playmakers, but I just don't think they're consistent enough. I still think I think Indiana covers. Like I, I think I think Maryland I think Maryland is gonna struggle with Indiana's defense. I think Aaron Casey and that defense is legit. I just don't think their their offense is legit. But I, I like Maryland in a again a close game. 24 to 17, Indiana covers. 
but it's uh, Maryland gets the win and, and go gets to five and zero. Illinois at Purdue on Peacock. It's an even line. It's a pick'em, and I find that ironic because I feel like the people that have been most mad at me this year have been Illinois fans, and it's been in particular based on a week one statement that I made, which was Purdue was more, I thought Purdue was more, uh, oh, how do I say it? I was going to say attractive. That's not the right word. They were, I thought Purdue was more impressive again in a loss against Fresno State than Illinois was in a win against Toledo. And ever since then, Illinois fans, some have been very respectful in their disagreement. Others have maybe not been not as respectful, but that's neither here nor there. I've just gotten a lot of pushback from Illinois fans. And ironically, Vegas sees this game as a pick'em. And I don't disagree with that. I I think this is the hardest game for me to pick. Uh, it's it's at Purdue, which you know I came into this as I was thinking thinking about the game. I'm like, man, who who do I pick in this? I think it's hard because on one hand, I think Purdue's talent roster uh, is is honestly lacking. I think they have some good pieces here and there, but. I think their defensive line, uh, aside from their edge rushers, leaves a lot to be desired. I think uh, their their back seven has struggled quite a bit. Obviously, their running game has has struggled a bit. Um, but at the same time, Illinois, you know, they barely got the dub against Florida Atlantic. They were down ten nothing uh, in the beginning of that game. They they lost to Kansas again. Really struggled with Toledo. And Altmaier, who I thought started well, he's thrown seven picks in the first four games. And if you look at the statistics, Purdue is averaging more yards. Now, granted, it's two and a half yards more than Illinois. And their defense is allowing about 19 yards less than Illinois. If this game were in Illinois, I would pick Illinois by three. It's at Purdue. I think Hudson Card is the better quarterback. And while I think Illinois has the game wrecker in Jerzon Newton, I just think the, the the ability of Hudson Card helps Purdue outlast Illinois in this game. I've got Purdue winning 28-24 in West Lafayette. Uh, again, a lot of this, if this were at Illinois – especially with the way that the wind swirls in their stadium and it makes it more difficult. And with Trajan Newton, I'd pick Illinois. But because it's at Purdue, I, I like Purdue to win this game uh, 28-24. Rutgers hosting Wagner. Wagner is uh, a 2-2 two and two FCS team. Rutgers is 3-1 and one and has looked, quite honestly, very impressive. You know, even in the loss to Michigan, I thought, you know, if not for honestly questionable officiating and a you know a really good play by Mike Mike Sandra still in the third quarter you know Rutgers was was hanging around with the Wolverines and so I like Rutgers I think this is a a blowout game I think it gives it gives them confidence watch for them to really work on the passing game with Gavin Wimsat and his receivers I like 55 to to 6 Rutgers over Wagner 
That's a 3.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. And then I think a, a, a really fascinating game, Michigan State at Iowa. It's on NBC and Peacock, 7.30 p.m. Iowa is a 12.5-point favorite. And it's it's odd. So I, I've reported, I think, twice now that Mel Tucker has been fired because people have said online he's been fired. It's official now. So this is the third time I'm saying Mel Tucker has been fired. It's the first time that I'm right. And so I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about the the false uh false advertising. I I don't know what to make of, of the Spartans. Because the Spartans what I saw against Maryland was a team that quite honestly I like a lot of te- a lot of people thought they quit and I I watched a lot of that Michigan State Maryland game and I was like I don't I don't think they quit I think I think they're they're trying to figure things out they're trying to figure out whether Noah Kim is is viable starter if they need to replace him but I th- I think they've got guys on both sides of the ball that can make plays there's more talent there than I think I initially gave them credit for. And I'll just be honest, Iowa offensively is is terrible. I mean, they I, they are worse than I thought. Uh, you know, Cade McNamara, I thought would rejuvenate that program. I thought he'd be a much a, a, an upgrade to uh, Spencer Petras from last year. He is he has not been. He's got a little bit more mobility, but he has not been a great – he has not done well as of yet. And the fact that they lost Luke Lachey, man, that just kills their offense. Like I know Eric All is – he's a good tight end. He's not Lachey. And I, I think there's still major issues on that offensive line. I think, you know, I, I'm, I don't think – I, even if they get their running backs back, I'm like, I, I just don't see much with the running backs. I, I think Brian Ference, I think he's in a sense dead man walking in terms of his job because some of this is not – it's not just the personnel. It's how he's managing the offense. And so I I think a lot of people see Michigan State and they're like, well, they're they're a dumpster fire. They're going up in flames. I think even though this is in Iowa, I think the fact that there is resolution at Michigan State and there's a pathway forward and it's been defined, I think Michigan State gets the upset this week. I think it's a low-scoring game, but I think I think Michigan State wins 20 to 12. Iowa gets three uh four field goals. Um but I think Michigan State win, wins this game. Before Iowa fans, you jump on me and say, did you see Michigan State against Washington? I did. I did. Washington is really, really good. They might be the best team in the country. And that they're going to do that to a lot of teams. Quite honestly, they would do it to Iowa. And they might do it worse to Iowa. So I, I think Michigan State upsets the Hawkeyes. And I think, I think a lot of things. There's more questions are raised with Iowa as a result. Let me take a break, and then I'm going to get to your comments and your questions. 
back on the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I am, I feel ashamed of myself because I went on the air and I was like, who's the other team that has a bye week? It's Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin. How did I not know it was Wisconsin? And it's not just because I'm a Buckeye fan. I should have known that. That I should have known that Wisconsin was off this week, uh, which I think leads into one of the comments that I got this week. Yankee Wolverine, you have been the man. You, uh, you, you love to engage with stuff on X, and I appreciate it. Um, he is on me about my hesitation to pull the trigger on having a top five solely of East teams. And I, you know, I told him, I was like, I, you know, I want to see more from Wisconsin and, and Yankee Wolverine. I appreciate, I appreciate you, but he's like, I'm telling you, buddy, the top five big 10 teams are from the East. Uh, he said, big three, Maryland, then Rutgers or vice versa. And here's the thing. You might be right. You actually might be right on that. However, I, I, here's my hesitation. I've watched Maryland and I've watched Rutgers and I like both teams. I think they both have their weaknesses. And I'm, I think I was ready to, to kind of concede Wisconsin as being a player in the big 10 and, you know, at least in that upper echelon. And I, I don't think they're in the upper echelon this year as of yet. But that loss to Washington State doesn't look nearly as bad as I thought it did. I mean, that that's they're a Pac-12 contender right now. Like a legit Pac-12 contender. I, I think you could, you know, there's a long way to go. I think there's five or six teams in the Pac-12 that are really, really good this year. Like potentially worthy of winning the Pac-12. You know, I think USC could be there because their offense. I think they're I actually think their defense is going to get them killed. I I would not be surprised. You know, they play Colorado this week and I don't think Colorado is that good. I would not be surprised if Colorado upset USC this week. But I I think until that happens, I think USC at least has a shot. You know, I think Oregon State is still in this thing. I I think Washington is obviously in it. Oregon is in it and Washington State you know, I think that's five teams that I just named. And I think all five, you could make a case for them not just to win the Pac-12, but to, to possibly be a playoff team. And then I, I didn't even mention Utah. You know, Utah, who has beaten beaten Florida, you know, did it with a backup quarterback. You know, and again, they're, they're coached by, I think, maybe, maybe one of the best coaches in the country in Kyle Whittingham. So, but Washington State, is right there in that mix. And so that loss by Wisconsin, it at first I thought, oh, they're not, yeah, maybe they're not as good as, as I thought. But I want to keep seeing them grow. I want to keep seeing them mature with um, Braylon Allen in that backfield and Tanner Mordecai at quarterback. I think, I think if they continue to progress under Luke Fickle, I'm – I'm not with you yet on the idea that Wisconsin is head and shoulders below Maryland and Rutgers. And I think I think by the end of the year, you could say that it's Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, 
Wisconsin. Like, and it's the, the trio. So I'm not saying Ohio State's like clearly the number one team right now. But I, I think it's the top three and then Wisconsin. And I, I think you could, by the end of the year, you could say that it's a tier in itself in Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. And then the second tier is Wisconsin and only Wisconsin. And then a tier below is Rutgers and Maryland and maybe another team from the West. But that's I think that's that's my take on it right now. You could be totally right. One of the things that you he also said was that, you know, and I said, we'll see more from Wisconsin. And he's like, You're, you you will see more from Wisconsin when they're down 30 at half in Indy. And I'm like, that's very possible. And I I do think there are enough flaws or questions in the top three where I think Wisconsin could at least, they could le- at least be in it after halftime. So... I'm not as high, or I, I don't think the gap is nearly as wide with Wisconsin yet. Or I think if Wisconsin, maybe a better way to put it, I think Wisconsin could continue to grow into a team that could at least make people question going into the second half what's going on in the Big Ten championship game. So I, I think they're very much the Big, the Big Ten West favorite, and I part of that is I think the Big Ten West is is not very good this year. Um so you're you're right about that, Yankee Wolverine. The the West is is in bad shape right now. And we should I think we should look at the Big Ten East, you know, as maybe maybe all in the top ten at this point, versus the West, most of which being in the bottom, the bottom six, bottom seven teams of the conference. Uh Jim Eversall wrote in a couple weeks ago. Jim, obviously a, a, a big friend of the podcast. Love you, brother. Uh he was uh getting on me a little bit about my analysis with Penn State. Not, not getting on me. He was he, informing me, which I appreciate because I don't, I don't always get to watch every play of the game, um, which I, I appreciate uh, getting that. So, Jim, obviously your boys, the Nittany Lions, they kicked butt on Saturday, and I think they're going to kick butt again this week. Um, that Penn State's really good. You know, I think they've – they are continually growing. I think the young pieces are getting better. I think it's going to be fun to see between Kyle McCord and Drew Aller how they both continue to progress throughout the season. So I, I like Penn State. I, I think uh, they're really good. And, you know, I, part of the youth and the, the youth struggle, I think, is mistakes and penalties and uh, flat out misses. And that's a lot of what Jim was talking about in his email to me. So thanks Jim for the, for the message, uh, was bummed. I couldn't be at the whiteout with you this past week, but, uh, another, uh, message that came in this past week on X or on Twitter, uh, Mike Dabble or Dabble. I hope, I hope I'm getting that right. Um, sorry, it wasn't Mike Dabble. Um, Oh, where did you go? No, Terp Gulch. Terp Gulch. Mike, Mike Gabble liked a, a post. Thanks, Mike. Um, but Terp Gulch, uh, Terp Gulch 05, I think Michael uh, Fusek, uh, appreciate the, the comment. Uh, he was replying to a tweet that I posted, uh, which was about Kai McCord, and his reply was, I don't see OSU winning a natty with McCord. Um, that's fair. I think at this point right now, 
I thought I I think if you're going based on what he's shown to this point, I would agree. He's not a finished product. And you have to remember that. Like he's in his fifth start, almost threw a pick in that game-winning drive. But I'll tell you, his development should make you excited for his future. Because I think right now, I would agree, I don't think he can win a national championship if he doesn't progress from where he is. I think if he and the offensive line and the defense continue to progress, they absolutely could win a national championship. But they've got to keep progressing. And I think that's the key is how do they use this bye week? Um, how do they, how do they, how do they use this time? Um, the last, the last comment is from my good friend, uh, Tony Beard. Oh, sorry. No, there's two other things. Tony, I'll get to Tony's in a minute. Uh, he didn't know he's going to be on the podcast, but he texted me. So I'm just going to, I'm going to throw, throw him under here. But before I do that, Sean, he posted, uh, on Spotify and he said, love the podcast. Thank you, Sean. But also why are Rutgers and Purdue not in your graphic. And there's a very reasonable explanation for this. I, and, and it's, it's this, I'm terrible with tech <laughs> and the graphic I have that was made for me, it was made for me by a good friend of mine, Christiana Otto, who I work with. Um, she's, she's awesome. She made it as a favorite. Actually, it wasn't even a favor to me. She just made it for me as a, as a gift and was like, here you go. And the, the format that she made it in was like a landscape format and it had all the teams. And so when I went to make it as a thumbnail, I couldn't help but cut the edges out. And that just happened to be where those teams were. And so in the original graphic, they are in there and they were thought of. It was really well done. But unfortunately, with the thumbnail, they get, they get cut out. Uh, my hope is when, you know, Oregon and Washington, USC and UCLA join the conference, she's actually already made another graphic for me, which again, I didn't, I didn't ask for. Well, I I jokingly said, I'm going to need a new graphic. And she said, what about these? And I was like, these are great. And I think the designs are actually more in the thumbnail version. And so hopefully, uh, there will not be any of that, those, uh, technical problems in the future. So I have a lot of love for Purdue and Rutgers. uh, So it's not deliberate that I'm keeping them out. It's, it's more just my own incompetence with technology. So let me get to my buddy, Tony. Uh, He was uh, texting me about the Ryan day outburst. And then he's like, and I don't understand this Ohio against the world stuff. And I think it's a helpful, from a Big Ten perspective, it'd probably be helpful to talk about this. So um, appreciated the text. You had no idea I was going to use that in the podcast. So I'm going to, but I'm going to give you credit for it because I think it's a great question from a Big Ten fan because I think most Big Ten fans, they look at Ohio State and they're like, why are you whining? Why are you whining? Stop whining. No, nobody's against you. You're the best team in the conference. You get all the breaks. And I think from a Big Ten perspective, I think they're absolutely right. Ohio State has been the kings of the conference for the past 22 years. And even though Michigan, I think, has really 
laid claim to the throne of of champion and best program right now, I think most people would still say that Ohio State's the cream of the crop. You know, you see that in recruiting, you see that in ratings on TV. I think you see it in terms of uh, NFL. And so right now, that's, I think, the, the reality that even though Michigan has kind of risen to the top, Ohio State, I think, is still seen in many ways as the preeminent program in the Big Ten. I think that's starting to shift. I think it's it's being shared. Um, but the you have to remember, and this is where I would say this is the difference between Ohio State and everybody else, Michigan's getting here. But Ohio State for the past 15 years, their standard and their goal has not been Big Ten champion. Their goal has been beat Bama. And now it's beat Georgia, right? And obviously Michigan is starting to get there. And part of the reason why it's become that is because Ohio State, I think from a national perspective and a national media perspective, I think in many ways has been treated unfairly. You know, if if they get blown out big, it's, you know, it's it's not just, oh, you know, like Ohio State had a bad game. It's like they didn't deserve to be there. If they lose close, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of angst. You know, the, the whole narrative with Ryan Day of, oh, he, they're just not tough. And and I've accused them of that. But it, I think it's it's not just a matter of, oh, like this other team was the better team. It's. Oh, they don't they don't even deserve to walk in the same stratosphere as this team. Uh they didn't deserve to be in the playoff. They didn't deserve to be in this in X, Y, and Z. Even in 2014, when they got picked over TCU and Baylor, a lot of people saw that and they were like, oh, that's that's not fair. Ohio State didn't deserve to be there based on their resume, based on this. And then when you lined up the numbers, their resume was the best out of the three. And granted, people will use that and say, well, but they got in the playoff and TCU and Baylor didn't. And that's that's fine. It's the narrative. It, it's the narrative and it's the vitriol. And it's that there is a very real love-hate relationship with Ohio, Ohio State, both in the conference and I think especially outside the conference. And some of that is the fan base. And, and I'll, I'll say this. I, I, love, I love you, Buckeye Nation. I love being a part of Buckeye Nation. At the same time, I think we can be pretty obnoxious as fans. So I think that's, that's part of it. I think, and I think because of that, the national media knows that if you say something uh, vitriolic or divisive about Ohio State, they get they get clicks. They get ratings. It's why Pat McAfee keeps bringing up Lou Holtz this week and keeps bringing up all this other stuff with Ryan Day. It's, it's because they know they're going to get eyeballs on their program if they talk about Ryan Day and Ohio State. Now, that's true with other programs too, but like that's, that's where this Ohio against the world is. I, I, I would say, and, and no uncertain terms, it's really Ohio Ohio versus the SEC and ESPN. 
Because I think a lot of, particularly ESPN's coverage, is so SEC heavy and so it, they gush about the SEC, which makes sense because they they own the rights to the SEC and they don't own the rights to the Big Ten anymore. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Now I I'll, I'll riff off this for a minute and then I'm gonna wrap up. I've had a good chunk of time to think about Ryan Day and think about the outburst. And I, I did not love the outburst that he, he had, the wrestling promo on Lou Holtz. Um, I'll say this, though. Lou Holtz started it, and then Lou Holtz continued it afterwards, and Ryan Day had a chance to respond, and he didn't. He said, it's over and done with. We won, and we're going we're gonna to move on. And so... I love him or hate him, he he should have. I feel like he should have taken the high road the first time, but he took the high road the second time. And the reality is, for those who hated the the promo or the the post game, I think Josh Pate and Joel Klatt said it really well. That the post game really wasn't for the haters. Like haters are gonna hate. It was for his fan base and, and even more so it was for his kids, his players. And I think for him, because I think there's been this narrative and I've, I've perpetuated it that they're not tough. And it's been dogging him since I think 2020 when they got blown out by Alabama, which everybody would have gotten blown out by that, by that Bama team. That Bama team was stacked. It's one of the best of all time. And not only did they have to play them, they had to play them shorthanded because of COVID. And so that, that's that been the narrative. And even in this game, you know, a lot of people were saying that, oh, Ryan Day is soft. They're not physical, yada, yada, yada. My biggest issue with this, with the Ohio State Notre Dame game was not that they were soft. It was that they were predictable. And, and I think as I've thought about Ryan Day more, my biggest criticism about him is actually not mental toughness or physical toughness. Like I, I said, I, I do think he, he, he gets conservative, but I was realizing he was not conservative in this game. He was predictable in this game. And I think that to me is still a concern as a coach, you know, at, in his play calling. Like, he is very predictable in key moments of games. But I do think this team really showed their resolve. And, and this, this win was a big win, even if Notre Dame loses to Duke this week. And, and that's very possible. Duke is really good. Like, they're really good. And I would not be surprised if Notre Dame loses this game. Regardless... That's the best offensive line, I think, in the country that they played. And they went toe-to-toe. Honestly, Ohio State should have won by more. Going back, I, you know, in, in, on Twitter I said that I thought Notre Dame was the better team. I, I disagree with that assessment now. Um, it was still really close, but Ohio State had – both teams had chances. But Ohio State legitimately missed touchdowns. Twice in the first half. You combine that with Travion's run, it easily could have been 21-0 midway through the third quarter. 
And at that point, Notre Dame has to change their offensive approach. They can't just run the ball anymore because it's going to take too much time. And so it at least changes their whole game plan. And that to me, as I've thought about it more, I'm like, yeah, obviously Ryan Day has to work on short-term play calling uh, or, yeah, short-range play calling, third and short play calling, fourth and short play calling. That's got to get fixed. And there's a lot of other things that, ha- that have to get fixed. But to, I'm just going to go back to Kyle McCord in that drive. They converted on fourth and seven and third and 19. And I don't care that there were 10 men on the field at the end of this game. And listen, and for, to the Notre Dame fans who are saying, it was a false start at the end. It was not a false start at the end. It's... G. Scott did not false start. If you think that's a false start, then you need to go to like officiating school or something. It's absurd. I thought both teams played really well. I, you know, I thought both teams made key mistakes, including the, you know, the 10 men on the field instead of 11. But ultimately I, I think what this, what this is not just for Kyle McCord, but for Ryan Day is it's the first time that he's had a team down and out. And they come back and win the game. Will it mean that it prepares them for other games down the road? Maybe. Maybe not. Michigan and Penn State are both really good. And I think they're probably more complete teams than Notre Dame by by a bit, by a little bit. Not like massively. Um, but I think it starts – I think it can propel them to greatness if they let it as well. So – that, those are my thoughts. I really appreciate the comments, guys. Keep them coming. Leave a review. Send me emails and, and responses on Twitter and Instagram and, and email account, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Take care. God bless.